April 1985, a friend of Derek and Nancy Hasem would travel to their home in Boonesboro, Virginia to check on them after not hearing from them for a few days. The scene she found was not at all what she could have imagined, as they were both found dead in their home with blood everywhere. Derek was found near the doorway and Nancy was in the kitchen floor. It was complete overkill, and so many were shocked that this well-off and well-liked couple was killed. But who really did it will remain a question to this day. This episode originates from my hometown and contains discussion of sexual assault and murder. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Nancy Hasem was born in 1932 in Jerome, Arizona. Nancy's mother came from a very distinguished Virginian family, um, and she actually had connections to Lady Astor, who, for those who don't know, was the first female to have a seat in the British Parliament. Nancy had two brothers and eventually moves back to Virginia um, with their mother while their father was chasing gold. Um, He was a geologist and he was on that gold chase and the mom basically says, I want nothing to do with that. And so they moved back to Virginia. Nancy met a man named Ian later on in her life and they had two sons together after getting married. Um, And despite the fact that Nancy's family did not approve of them being together, Nancy was very strong-willed and just decided to marry him anyways. Nancy did, however, end up leaving him and was a single mom for a while, and a few years later, she meets Derek Haysom and they get married. Derek was born in 1913 in South Africa, and he grew up very well-off. So both of these people come from some pretty high-to-do families. He went to school for engineering and then moved to England and around that time World War II was starting so he ended up joining the army and Derek was married to a woman from New Zealand for a bit and they had three children together. When they divorced he got to keep the children. So by the time that Nancy and Derek meet Nancy has two children, two sons and Derek has three children that they're bringing to the marriage. There was a bit of an age gap between the two, but they didn't mind because they really hit it off. They were really what each other was looking for, ultimately. And um, on April 15th, 1964, Elizabeth Hasem is born, and this is their only kid together. While Elizabeth is young, they move around a lot for her dad's job, and the family ends up moving back to Virginia in the early 80s. They find a home in Boonesboro, Virginia, and for those who are looking for a better understanding of where this is, it's about 15 minutes from Lynchburg, Virginia, and it's housed in Bedford County. Um, This is where my home roots come in for this episode, um, as my childhood home was actually about 15 minutes away from the Hasem's home. Their home is zoned for all three public schools that I attended, and to describe Boonesboro, I would call it the more old money part of town. The homes are nice and the people can be a bit uppity, but there's also a great mix of your typical middle-class family there as well. And 
I'm biased towards Boonesboro. I think that it's one of the cuter parts of my hometown, in my opinion. I still have my very best friends that live there, so love Boonesboro. Nancy ended up naming their home Loose Chippings, which is a very old money thing to do to name your home, in my opinion. And the area that this home is located in is very nice, and it's not really a subdivision, which allowed them to have a little piece of the world to themselves. They had a garden and a tennis court, so it was pretty big. Yeah, I would say that's some nice money out there to have a tennis court. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty big, um, and gardening together was one of Nancy and Derek's favorite things to do, um, and they really kind of created their own oasis of a sort at Loose Chippings because by this time they're retired, they're enjoying just their retired life, and honestly, Boonesboro is the perfect little town to retire in. During this time, Elizabeth was studying at Wycombe Abbey in England, and her mother hoped that she would come home to go to the University of Virginia, which is in Charlottesville. And Charlottesville is about an hour and a half from the Boonesboro area, and is very well-to-do. The University of Virginia has always had a great reputation, but people who decide to go there typically um, have always been supporters of the mantra that comes with the University of Virginia as well. Um, So I was not surprised to hear that her mom wanted her to go to the University of Virginia, especially if she was in England studying at Wycombe Abbey, which is another very prestigious boarding school. Yeah, she seems like she'd be a perfect fit for the like societal standards that are within the University of Virginia. Right. And Elizabeth was actually really, really smart. She was involved in sports and musical arts, and she was a really good writer as well. Um, and her parents were super, super involved in her life and really wanted her to focus on math and science courses, whereas Elizabeth was more drawn to the arts. She was kind of like angsty in a way. Um, She really liked poetry and, you know, musical theater and things like that. So this really made her upset that her parents were pushing math and science courses on her while she was at Wycombe Abbey. And she ended up rebelling and starts using drugs and slacking off on her homework in her senior year. And this really worried her teachers and they ended up calling her parents. And her parents back off, but at this point it's kind of too late. And Elizabeth was told that she was going to have to stay an extra year at school because she had failed so many classes. And this just absolutely sent her into a spiral. And I don't really blame her because I would kind of freak out as well if I was told I had to spend an extra year in high school before going to college, but it's also at her own fault that she has to stay. Yeah, I definitely feel like her parents being so involved in her life just played a really big role in in like her high school like attitude because most people in high school just don't want to have their parents involved. But especially if your parents are already retired by the time you're going through high school, like they just don't really have anything better to do than to be involved. So it like it right. makes sense that it happened, but yeah, it would suck too. Like that's so embarrassing. Everyone, it's not like you're in kindergarten and you get held back a year. Like you're in high school, it's your senior year. Everyone knows why you're being held back. 
Right. And basically all her friends are getting to leave and go to all the prestigious schools in England that she wanted to be going to. And she's not able to go to any of them anymore. So so she actually gets more and more into drugs and alcohol. And she ends up getting expelled from the school for drug use. And she doesn't tell her parents that she's expelled. Instead, in 1983, she goes on an adventure with her friend through Europe. And ultimately, this trip is literally probably the worst thing that will happen to Elizabeth. She really went through some tough things on this trip, such as getting mugged, um, being given bad drugs. She was even assaulted. And it's kind of hinted at that she was really, really traumatized. Um, It was just not a good time for her. Her friend and her suffered deep trauma from this trip. They definitely had a trauma bond of sorts. And when she gets back home, her parents are kind of coddling her in a way because of what she's gone through. And there's also the aspect that she was just an avid drug user and they're trying to get her back on track. I feel like she needs like a lot of therapy and rehab. Right. Not coddling. But it's the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the 80s. Um, And she's also the daughter of two well-to-do people. Um, In 1984, she applied to the University of Virginia, just like her mother had always wanted for her. And she got in as an elite scholar, which is a pretty big deal at UVA. Um, UVA is hard to get into just baseline, but to get in as an elite scholar is pretty big deal. And she was 20 at the time, so she was a bit older than most freshmen. Um, But she went into it with a positive attitude and was excited to start, you know, learning and try to get back on track. When she's at the University of Virginia, she meets an 18-year-old boy named Jens Soaring. And he was the son of a German diplomat and was born in Thailand. Affluent. She is from from a well-to-do family. He's from a pretty important well-to-do family. Um, So it's just, that gives you a picture of what UVA is like as well. Um, He went to school in the U.S. his whole life and ended up at UVA for college. And they became infatuated with each other. They had a lot in common and they were both very artsy and very, very smart. And they just, you know, started dating and started sending weird notes to each other about torture and love and hate and it's just very like angsty these letters that they write to each other about I hate to love you it's torture to love you um they were very intense and Elizabeth was Yen's first real girlfriend and kind of first real anything um so this was a really strong bond that they formed really fast But I feel like bonds can form really fast in college regardless because you're in such an isolated environment. Yeah, I agree. Um, They also bonded over the fact that they were living in places that they each didn't grow up in when they, you know, go home for breaks and things like that. And Elizabeth started sharing in her letters to Jens about her parents drinking and her general distaste with her situation being at home with them like I said she had been traveling around Europe by herself and now she's 
back at home with her parents. Um, and so she just tells him that she basically does not like them at all. She goes on to say that her father was strict and she even made accusations against her mother for sexually abusing her. Um, but this accusation is actually super back and forth where there's been times where she has taken this back and then reaccused her. So there's no real answer if this is something that's actually true and happened. Um, but she did write in her letters that her mom sexually abused her. I feel like we saw that just recently with Stacey Showick, how she said that her husband abused the kids, but at the end of the day, it was like proven that it was solely just for like trying to remain innocent or viewed innocently. I also think that it's really right. funny that all of this is like being sent through like notes and letters because obviously it's the 80s, so they don't have yeah. like texting the same way that they would communicate nowadays but like i just can't imagine being a cop and like reading these little letters to each other yeah reading through these letters and you know the thing with letters is is like text messages i feel like are forever but these letters didn't have to be forever and they held on to every single one of them because that's how intense their love is and you'll see these letters come back later on Um, and again, she even told Jens that she wished that her parents had died and Jens kind of starts to pick up on this theme as well in his letters back to her. When Elizabeth finally introduces her parents to Jens, they are on UVA's campus one day, just going to like a little lunch and her parents do not like Jens at all. They basically think he is super suspect. They find him nervous and weird and like he's acting like he's on drugs. And so her parents are like, no, you're not dating him anymore. Absolutely not. Like you just got off of all the drugs you were on. Like he seems like a bad influence. He doesn't seem good enough for you. And she was mad at her parents, but then she also turned around and told Yen's that her parents didn't like him. So I personally would not do that if my parents said that they didn't like my boyfriend for some reason. That's just extremely rude and can really hurt somebody's feelings. And if you're that intensely in love with someone. Maybe like in a massive fight where it's like, I don't like you. My parents don't like you anyways. Oh, well. Oh, well. (laughs) But I think that's so like, it shows a lot that like her parents didn't like him. And it's just so hard to control someone when they're already in college and they're living college hours away from home. So it just makes... Oh, yeah. She's an adult at this point. So she's like... Yeah, it's just going to push the relationship into like more secrecy and create like more tension between her and her parents. So I definitely feel like this is like really impactful into the relationship. Oh, yeah. It's basically just building this intense intense rage against like towards the parents partnered with their intense love for each other which just makes this like crazy shit storm of like what's gonna happen and on march 29th 1985 the couple rent a car and head to washington dc they stayed in georgetown using yen's father's credit card and even bought movie tickets and Um, are just having a nice, calm weekend. 
They returned to the University of Virginia on the 31st of March. On April 3rd, Elizabeth was told her parents had died in their house, stabbed to death, just four days earlier. Conveniently, when Elizabeth and Jens were in D.C. Hmm. Elizabeth had actually made a call to her parents' friends, saying that she couldn't get in touch with them, and partly that added to the worry of her friends. And so when the friends do arrive at the home to look for Derek and Nancy, and they find this nightmarish scene of Derek and Nancy in the home, they just see blood everywhere and see that the couple had been stabbed over and over and over again. And because of this, the police knew that it wasn't a break-in. One, because there was no sign of forced entry. And two, when it's an overkill like that, most of the time it's a crime of rage. I wonder who had rage. And so it was likely... Yeah, so it was likely that they knew, Derek and Nancy knew who this was. There was also three plates set on the table in the home um, with food left on it from the dinner the night that they had died. Um, So it hadn't been cleaned up yet. And what was weird about that is Derek and Nancy lived alone. So who was there with them to eat dinner? Investigators found fingerprints and footprints in the blood of the house, and through blood testing, they knew that there was blood in the house that was not Derek or Nancy's. They found type B blood in the kitchen and type O blood on the screen door and within the master bedroom. So this shows that there was two people. Right. And it was clear that it looked like somebody had tried to clean up the scene They had, like, somebody had gone back and cleaned up portions of it, but not all of it. And it was just really a mess. There was also a knife found that matched the wounds that the couple had endured, which was actually a part of a set that the Haysoms owned. So the murderer used the knife that was from the home. This was a murder that everyone was talking about and still talks about in my hometown due to how gruesome it was. And when I asked my grandfather what he remembered about the case, he said he remembered it being on the news a lot and that people who lived near the house were scared. So the general public didn't know if this was like a serial killer that had just started. Again, this is a very small town, but it's also kind of uppity people. So it was just surprising that something to this caliber happened where it did. And this is also a case that has been talked about for generations now. My dad remembered it being one of the worst crimes that law enforcement in the area had ever seen and that it was just genuinely very disturbing. And to this day, I even have friends from the area who talk about this murder and say, oh yeah, I've been off Holcomb Rock Road, and I've seen the Haysom house. Like, it's known as the Haysom house. That's so eerie. So eerie. Elizabeth and Jens had an alibi of being in D.C., and they had receipts for everything, the car rental, the hotel, the movie theater, and so the police decided to dig a little bit deeper, and they pulled the rental record for the car, which reveals... The amount of mileage that was used on their rental car 
and it was found that they had actually put 400 miles more on the car than what it would have taken to go from UVA to DC to back to UVA. And Elizabeth claims that, you know, they just got lost and they were driving around for a little bit, but you don't really drive around for 400 miles when you're no, lost. Like, no, no, that's no, no. That's a lot. Um, and in doing the math, the police found that the extra miles accounted for them leaving from the University of Virginia, driving to D.C., driving from D.C. to Boonesboro, back to Washington, D.C., and then getting to the University of Virginia on March 31st. So they did go to D.C. I feel like they but- could have like, not been caught if they went from UVA to Boonesboro to D.C. because that's not as many miles or like something along that line. Like they did a lot of back and forth. Yeah, like I think that's what got them because you can say that like, yeah, you got lost or you like went to Maryland or something or like drove through like Arlington, Alexandria, blah, 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 like (laughs) for like 46 extra miles, but not 400 when you take this many routes. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's close up here. You can get to Maryland, go from Virginia to Maryland within 10 minutes. So um, 400 miles is an immense amount to be saying that you got lost. Um, Elizabeth was talking to the police and they ended up taking DNA from her. And Jens originally went to the police to help with the alibi willingly. And he said, you know, look, I want to talk to the German consulate before I provide any DNA evidence. Um, I just want to make sure, you know, what my rights are, being that I'm here on a diplomatic visa. And a few days later, Jens calls the police and says, hey, I'll give you the samples. Um, I'll be there in a few days. And then the police find out that Jens and Elizabeth have fled the country. Okay, that's suspicious. They are just (laughs) gone. Right. If you're trying to prove that you're innocent... And these people are very smart. Why did they just flee like that? It was so wild to me. So they end up leaving the U.S. and they leave separately. They beep up around a little bit and ultimately get to Thailand where they acquire fake paperwork, get new names, and then they go to England to live there. And Jens actually left a letter in his dorm trying to explain to his parents why he left. But he's swearing up and down in this letter that he is innocent. And he also left a letter to investigators telling him that he was incapable of such a brutal crime and that he left simply because he didn't like Virginia. That was his. They were only three plates, so I almost believe him if they weren't, there wasn't like two sets of DNA evidence. Like, I feel like he, like, picked up the girlfriend and was like, oh, fuck. Like, why are you covered in blood? What did you do? Like, let me help you. Girl, hold on to your seat over there. The pair starts scamming their way through England. And they're doing this through a simple check scam with department stores. Basically, they're writing a faulty check and then returning the items that they bought for the money back before the check bounces, and they end up getting caught. They were arrested on April 30th, 1986, and 
when the police are at their home in England, they find the love letters that we were talking about earlier where Elizabeth is basically bashing her parents and using all of her dramatics saying that she thinks that her wishing her parents are dead are causing little accidents such as a skiing accident or her dad almost accidentally getting in a car accident and you know all the other parts of her letters of her wishing that her parents were dead and Yen's going along with it are all found in these letters that they kept you could burn those I said you could burn those like why (laughs) why leave them for the police to find they really they kept them and held on to them and that was part of their demise um in her interrogation Elizabeth sort of confesses to being involved but then she's like I'm being facetious I'm lying And she's kind of being strange in her interrogation. Jens, however, decided to confess, which he would later say was only to protect Elizabeth because he thought that he would have diplomatic immunity and be sent to Germany, whereas Elizabeth would have to face the ultimate penalty here in the U.S. So he was just trying to, he says that he didn't really do it. He was just trying to protect Elizabeth. But he didn't have just like a small confession. He had a very long story that he told for his confession. He said that he went to the Haysom's house to get the parents to stop imposing on their relationship. And he was invited to eat dinner with them. They argued. He got up to leave and Derek, Elizabeth's father, pushed him. Um, He says that he, Jens, then pulled a knife and attacked Derek first. Nancy came from the kitchen with another knife. He then goes on to say that he was hit in the head by Derek and didn't remember much, but he knew that they were dead when he left the house and that he then went back to clean up after he got rid of his clothes. His confession, though, didn't match up with the crime scene and the flow of what would have logically happened based on forensic evidence that the police found. And... He had even had the positioning of Derek's body wrong and what Nancy was wearing, saying that she came down the steps in jeans, but she was found in her nightgown. And I don't know about you, but my mother would never change into her pajamas with guests over. Like, that's just not a thing. No, and also, while your husband's being attacked, you also wouldn't change into nightgowns. Like, at no point. Right. Right. Well, they had dinner, too, supposedly. Yeah. So it's like, why are you in your nightgown all of a sudden? <laughs> when he realized that his diplomatic status wouldn't save him, he basically took his entire confession back. And some people think that maybe he was lying about aspects of his confession so that he could have a defense in court and pull the card of, I was just trying to protect Elizabeth. But other people think that maybe that's just making him be more smart than he really is. And maybe he is innocent. Elizabeth went back to Virginia from England and took a plea deal and pled guilty to accessory before the fact. And within that, she would have to basically make a statement to the court, um, like an official statement to the court 
by herself, and then she would have to testify in court against Jens when he's eventually brought from England to the U.S. In court, she said that she did not know that Jens was going to actually kill her parents when he left her in D.C. and traveled to her to their house. So she basically admits they drive from UVA to Washington, D.C. They do get the hotel in Georgetown, but he leaves, she says, and, and goes to Boonesboro um, and then comes back to D.C. and then they go back to UVA. So the mileage did account for the whole back and forth. She thought that Jens was just going to tell them to back off of their relationship, essentially. But she did fully blame Jens for the murder when she took took stand. What happened to their love story that they're going to protect each other through and right. through forever and always? That angsty teenage, early adulthood yeah. love just got thrown, thrown to the Went wind. as quick as it came. Yep. She admits to setting up the alibi, however, which really confuses me because if you're saying that you didn't think that Jens was going to your home to kill your parents, why are you worried about setting up an alibi for him? Why are you worried about going and buying movie tickets so that it looks like you guys were at the movies all day? Yeah. It's just a little suspect to me. Elizabeth was sentenced to 90 years in prison and... Her half-brothers even think that she was there at the time of the murder. And they wanted her to have the max sentence. So they, like, absolutely do not have her back whatsoever. On Janu- in January 1990, Jens arrives in the U.S. after Virginia drops the death penalty charge against him. So he's basically agreed to come from England to Virginia. Elizabeth testified again, saying that this time she knew that she that Jens was going to kill them. So she kind of changes her story after she gets her sentence. Jens says that he was the alibi for Elizabeth. He basically says, look, Elizabeth told me that she was in some trouble. She needed to make a drug deal. And she's the one who took the car. And I stayed in D.C. I bought the movie tickets and all of these things. However, the jury found him to be extremely arrogant and really did not believe him, and he was found guilty and sentenced to two consecutive life terms. In 2009, Virginia conducted DNA tests on old cases um, that, at the time, those cases wouldn't have had the same DNA technology, and this was one of them given that this was in the early 80s. The DNA testing found that Jens and Elizabeth were not a match for the DNA samples of blood that they retried, and the blood also wasn't a match for the victims. So whose blood was in their home if it doesn't match Jens and Elizabeth and it doesn't match the victims? I have. Was there two more people involved? I have seen this before in other cases, though, and... DNA testing can be so inconclusive sometimes because like I could prick my finger days prior been at their house and my DNA evidence would still be there. Well, sometimes it's been the final nail in the coffin for like a case and really prove someone's guilty, but there have been some inconclusive results from it. But then again, one can wonder if maybe Elizabeth did have a drug deal and it went really bad. 
So her parents were murdered from the drug dealers. Who knows? Like at this point, who knows? But, who knows? Yeah. It, this finding for the retesting of the DNA, it didn't overturn anything. Um, and Elizabeth was out on parole in 2019 and she was actually a citizen of Canada given where she was born. Um, so she was deported to Canada and that's where she is now. Um, and Jens had fought for years to be sent to Germany and, Governor Tim Kaine actually granted the request in, I believe, 2010 as he was leaving and the new governor coming in reversed it. Um, then fast forward to 2019, Jens got parole and was deported to Germany. This kind of reignited the local news talk um, in my hometown to talk about it all over again. Like I said, this is a generational story that has gone throughout my hometown um and so they were kind of just talking about it again in 2019 and people have their own views on whether or not Jens actually did it and while he was in prison he actually wrote many books and publications um and a lot of people became familiar with the case there's actually so many a-list people who think that he is innocent including the guy who started Katy Perry's career, which I just thought was a random fact to throw in there. Imagine Katy Perry, like, singing about <laughs> being innocent. I know. I know. There's even police officers and investigators who have come forward saying that if this case was tried today, that he would be found not guilty. So to this day, you know, we do have sentencing for them, but we don't know if that's what really truly happened i feel like there's so much uncertainty and i think that's one of the big reasons that it's so talked about still especially in my hometown because it's just such a mystery and i think that every time i go home to visit my parents i think about this case because i drive past where where it's at um so i think that that will continue to be a theme especially in my hometown of it kind of haunting and lingering there 